This is the weekend edition of the Core Report. Hello and welcome to the Core Report's weekend edition. Energy efficiency is a target and a very long journey because it means that you and I have to work on reducing our carbon footprint. It means that we and our gadgets, our appliances have to become more energy efficient and have to stay energy efficient. So how do we do that? It's an individual journey, that's you and me, but it's also organizations like the EESL, which are working on this. So the EESL is the Energy Efficiency Services Limited. It's an energy service company and is one of the largest in the world for what it does, which is to really act as a demand aggregator for services and products in the energy efficiency space and then distribute it to people like you and me. So it could be streetlights, it could be LED bulbs, and it could be other solar power projects. I'm pleased to be joined by Vishal Kapoor, CEO of EESL. Uh, by the way, the EESL has been promoted by companies like NTPC under the Ministry of Power. NTPC is the National Thermal Power Corporation. Vishal Kapoor is a practicing fellow of the Institution of Mechanical Engineers and also holds a postgraduate degree in public administration from the Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy, National University of Singapore, and he's also attended the Advanced Management Program in Public Policy from the Indian School of Business. He's worked extensively in Indian railways and has rich experience in railway traction, freight cars, design, operations and maintenance. And he is now instrumental in formulating the revamped distribution sector scheme for operational and financial turnaround of distribution utilities. Mr. Kapoor, thank you so much for joining me. So first question, tell me about EESL. What does it do? Why was it set up? And what are its broad mandates? ESL was actually set up in 2009. We were set up with a mandate to usher in energy efficiency interventions on the ground. So the government makes the policies along with BEE. And ESL, per se, is the uh, central government arm to usher in the ground-based interventions of energy efficiency. So over a period of time, for the last relatively a short period of time, 14 years, we have grown from a zero to almost 2,400 crore annual turnover company. And we have been doing a significant job in ushering in energy efficiency, especially in terms of the ground-based interventions like solar, which is distributed, then smart metering, then street lights, and the major program of LED lamps. We socialized the LED lamps to such an extent that now it's a household item. As opposed to in 2014, it used to be an item which was a luxury item. So all these interventions we have made. Okay, so two broad questions first, or let me try and bring that into one. Between, let's say, institutional interventions and retail interventions, so what you described just now, for example, LED and smart metering are more retail, and institutional, where does ESL spend most of its time and energy? We've done much in retail, except in the LED lamps, it was not exactly retail. But we have predominantly been institutional. And what we held the discoms was socialize the LED lamps in the retail space through the discoms by aggregating demand, reducing the prices, and using discoms and other TA agencies as a vehicle to proliferate it amongst the common people. Otherwise, all the interventions, let's say about street lights, which is one of our biggest programs, or distributed solar. Again, uh, the counterparties are discoms in streetlights, it's the municipalities or let's say even in smart metering, when we got into it, the counterparties are actually discoms, even though 
the smart meters are provided at the end of the consumer. So we work predominantly in the institutional space, and now we are actually making interventions in the retail space, recognizing that the best bank for GHG emission reduction per unit of investment lies in the retail and domestic space, along with the industry. So these are two sectors. So we believe that there is a lot to be done in the retail space, and that is why we have been working to expand our business in the retail space to provide both public and shareholder value. Right. And I'll come to the business or the revenue side of it in a moment. And I think you've defined your strategy in saying that greenhouse gas emissions are best addressed by greater focus on retail as opposed to anything else. But can you build on that a little bit and how that's playing out as a strategy, not necessarily on ground? Okay. It's said that almost 40 to 45% of the climate mitigation efforts are going to come from energy efficiency, which is basically the demand side of the equation. We have seen a lot of work on the renewables and on the supply side, but energy efficiency is the demand side of things. So what energy efficiency does is reduce the demand itself. And then that demand that is reduced, that has to be provided through renewables. So these are two sides of the coin. We have to work in tandem with the supply side. Now, there are several challenges in energy efficiency. Number one, because energy efficiency traditionally lies in every single house, every single industry. It is very disaggregated. The ticket size, if I look at a home, will be very low. It will be disaggregated. So as a project, dealing energy efficiency is very difficult. Secondly, you know, it doesn't get saliency because of the simple fact that the projects, since they are completely spread out, it is very difficult to aggregate them. The finances don't come into the picture very easily because it's very easy to get finance for, let's say, a 200, 300, 400 crore project. But the disaggregated energy efficiency, it's a challenge. It operates on the cost side of the equation. You know, in the normal course, when you put in investments, you get the leverage on the revenue side. Whereas here, if you put in some investment, that is the cost side, you will get a cost saving and not on the revenue side. So basically, it's not very salient. And uh, building on the 40 to 45% opportunity that I mentioned about, there are estimates saying that the best bank for the buck in various sectors lie only in two major sectors today. That is one is domestic and the other one is industry. On the industry side of things, I think the big industries, they normally, they are very conscious about that because energy efficiency is basically cost efficiency. So they do make their own investments on the cost side and derive benefits, reduce their costs. So it's a no-brainer. So it is the MSMEs where the challenge lies because the investments become a problem in MSMEs. But the most untouched space, I believe, is the domestic segment. For a simple reason, and I'll just give you an example. I mean, take the example of a humble fan. A fan will cost you about a thousand rupees. It consumes, a conventional fan consumes 78 watts. Now, there are fans available in the market for 2000 plus, which consume only 28 watts. And now, what does a consumer do? He will go into the market, he'll buy a fan which is cheaper, which is 1000 rupees, but the way the fans are, and we know, I mean, we don't change fans every day. The consumer who's buying a conventional fan today, we are losing that consumer for the next seven, eight, ten years 
minimum. Same is the case with air conditioners. For example, we are an aspirational society. Our income levels are rising and people as and when they are reaching that level where they can afford air conditioners, they would like to go in for a comfort solution, air conditioning comfort solution at a cheaper price. So that's why a five-star AC, which is expensive, it'll not be bought. And in case, if you buy an unstarred or a lower star AC, you're losing that consumer for the next seven years. So we identify ourselves as a company or an institution with the government mandate to reduce the energy consumption. And we believe that there is a lot of scope, especially in the domestic sector, to reduce. Now, how do you do that? There are various strategies that we are working on. But the long and short of it, I believe that domestic sector today, the maximum latent potential lies there. Right. And since you mentioned the star system, could you broadly tell us, you know, a lot of our listeners may not be in India, for example, they may not know what it means. I mean, I too have been a fan of the star system, buying five stars. But the thing that I've not done is really try and compute it backwards and said, okay, if I were to buy a four star instead of a five star air conditioner, what is the real saving I could get? So in my case, I think it's the appeal that's working more than the actual savings that I'm computing. Yes. And that's a very valid point because... Basically, star rating is uh, determined by Bureau of Energy Efficiency, which comes out with a few appliances ratings in terms of energy efficiency. The five star is the maximum efficient rating and three star is the lower one. And as the stars reduces, basically, there are more energy guzzlers. So obviously, because the technology is higher in the five star and as the stars increase, the cost also definitely goes up. Now, the whole issue is about the total cost of ownership. Now, if you're buying a three-star AC, it may cost less initially, but it'll guzzle electricity more. And if you buy a five-star AC, then the upfront cost will be more, but the energy efficiency will be high and your operational costs will be low. So in our experience, I mean, the highest of the five-star ACs today, as compared to the three-star conventional ACs of, let's say, 2018-2019 vintage, will be able to save almost 30% of the energy. So, and if you do the calculations of incremental upfront costs and try and analyze it on a total cost of ownership basis, I think the additional cost of a five-star, good five-star AC, you can recover that cost in the next two, two and a half years on the maximum side. Especially, the ATMs, the more you use the AC, like for example, ATMs, they use ACs 24 hours. In that, I believe that if five-star or even super efficient ACs, even much beyond five-star, which probably may not be in the market and on which we are working on, if that is done, the payback time will be less than a year, year and a half. So basically, the concept is total cost of ownership. The issue is that when we as consumers go out and buy any kind of equipment, we only generally look at the price. And the other thing is the social norm that you said. I mean, there are two ways. Either you use a price as a point or the other thing is basically a social norm or kind of a, something that makes you feel proud that, yes, you are a good energy efficient, energy less energy consuming consumer. So these are the two aspects. The second aspect, as you said, is very less it requires knowledge and understanding and not everyone is from this field, the power side or appliances side. The real thing is the total cost of ownership. And this is what we need to socialize amongst the people. 
Right. So if you were to look at all the strategies that have played out in either whether it's streetlights or the entire LED program, which was perhaps the world's largest of its kind as it was rolling out and I'm sure still is. What do you think? I mean, if you were to look at the lessons. So in many of these cases, you're providing some kind of subsidy to, in a way, tempt people to do something that's actually right for them. Now, this is fairly standard, I'm assuming, when it comes to social or economic policy. But what is your learning from this world, you know, as we've kept rolling out? And I want to come to the Prime Minister's scheme for solar panels as well in a bit and see how that links up to the chain. But first, your learnings from what you've seen in the last few years. Well, I think I would say that we have never worked on government subsidies. So we always work on demand aggregation and creating value out of demand aggregation reducing the prices. So that has been the model predominantly, let's say even in street lights or even in LED lamps, there was no element of subsidy. And that was the engineering done by ESL. That demand aggregation, as you do, you give it visibility of demand to the market for products that are not very much available or are not being manufactured. Then the industry responds by, this is basic supply-demand economics. So this is what we have done so far. Predominantly, there have been a few programs which have been the government programs that we have implemented, but they have been at a lower scale. So even in terms of electric mobility, if you see electric mobility is something that our ESL germinated in India in 2018. There were no electric cars in India at that point of time. We put out a demand for a bid for 10,000 electric cars and the industry responded there within a period of six to nine months. They came out with their vehicles. And so basically, energy efficient equipments do not make much financial sense. They do make a lot of economic sense. Our role has been to try and bridge this gap between the financial as well as the economic viability by reducing the cost of ownership and trying to tell people that, yes, Number one, we are trying to reduce the original cost of acquisition. And the other thing is that this is going to give you saving. So this is a double mechanism. Reduce the cost of ownership and at the same time ensure that the savings further are able to tell you that, yes, you can save money by being more efficient. And tell us about rooftop solar. Does it or how does it fit into this chain? Well, yes, I think this is a very, very exciting development. The government has recently increased the subsidies to the extent of 30,000 rupees per kilowatt till 2 kilowatts and 18,000 rupees for the third kilowatt. I think about rooftop solar in India has been predominantly institutional. There have been pockets of residential adoption as well. But total capacity that has been added is 11 to 12 gigawatts. And I believe that there is so much of space, so much of space available on Indian roofs that solar rooftops have to be installed as a measure of uh, supply-side interventions for mitigating climate change. Now, with the increase in subsidies, I think the case for ownership of solar rooftops has just become very good because let's say even if we go in for a one kilowatt solar rooftop, I believe if we get about subsidies of 30,000 rupees, I think the project can be done at a cost of 20,000 rupees per consumer. And now to add to it, the government has come out with statement that a concessional financing will be provided. If you are able to achieve concessional financing to the extent of maybe around 8% or even lesser or around that, 
then it will become very easy for every consumer to own a solar rooftop. So we are very excited and we are, we are looking at ways and means. We are in talks with several you know, providers. We want to be a part of this and we want to be, we, we do not want to implement it. We do not want to compete with anybody, but we want to be facilitators in reduction of cost. We are looking at mechanisms, how we can standardize this kind of a solar rooftop a system so that it can be easily installed by anyone. Like our imagination is that even a person who can install a dish TV on your roof should be able to go and just install because Today, there are about 5,000 EPC players available. And if we can increase this base, if we can provide the standardized equipment, which is just which just can be rolled out on the roof easily, I think this will make a lot of difference. And if we do it at scale, we reduce the demand. And we do come with, we are people who have the maximum distributed solar experience, at least on the feeder level. And we believe we have that acumen to understand and we understand the market also. And we have that acumen to be able to reduce prices without compromising on the quality. And we will be able to convince the consumers that yes, if the product is coming from this company, the product will be good. Right now, there is a lot of confusion amongst consumers as to which product they should go to. So we believe that we will be able to advertise, we'll be able to make partnerships with various EPC players and allow them and create new ones also. Give them opportunities to go market that and install more and more solar rooftops. What are the major projects that you are working on right now? And how many of those would include similar, let's say, aggregation efforts like you would have done for LED lights or street lights and so on? The new projects that we don't call them projects, basically, they're, they're basically appliances. We have restructured our company in a way that uh, we have co- created a completely different uh, dedicated appliances division recently, and which will only deal with appliances. The new appliances that we are looking at are induction cookstoves, because again, induction cookstoves are almost 20-25% more efficient than the conventional cooking methods. So induction cook stove, it's a relatively a cheap item and we are aggregating demand. We have recently carried out two bids. So when you say conventional, sorry, uh, you, do you mean wood-fired or are you? do you mean gas? Well, I think wood-fired, I think wood-fired is too inefficient, but I'm, I'm just comparing with the gas stoves also. The gas stoves also, I mean, induction cooking is definitely much more convenient as well as efficient as compared to gas stubs. Okay. So you said that's one project that or that's running. Yeah, that's running right now. The other thing that we are looking at, we're looking very big at is fans. So fans industry, and I'll give you some numbers here, about a f- four crore fans market exists every year, out of which we believe our estimates suggest that energy efficient five-star fans are only 12 lakh. Now, 4 crore are sold, 12 lakh only the BLDC energy efficient fans. And if we are able to increase this, then increase the uptake of this through institutional purchases as well as retail purchases by driving down costs. I think that's one big thing we are looking at. And we have recently you know, come out with a 20 lakh bid. 
the current annual market for BLDC fans is 12 lakh and we have taken out a bid for 20 lakh. So this, we believe, will be a very good intervention. We are seeing a lot of traction from various state-designated agencies and various institutions, both private as well as government. And we believe that this will definitely usher in a major revolution. Uh, super efficient air conditioners and subsequently five-star air conditioners, I think. Again, these are two items where we'll be very, very bullish. Electric cycles, electric mobility, micro-mobility is very, very important. We have been working with various institutions over the last six, seven months. Recently, there was a lot of interest that came out in the Bihar conclave of uh, electric mobility, which was recently held. There is a lot of interest coming in from Kerala. We are also in talks with certain government institutions where we believe that the electric cycles can be used very effectively. And I think we are on the verge of creating a market for a huge market for electric cycles. We have visibility of at least around eight to 10,000 cycles as of now. And this demand, if we are able to aggregate, will also help the small industry that exists today, which predominantly sells these cycles in urban areas to rural areas. We'll focus on rural areas because we believe that there is a lot of opportunity for e-commerce. And if there are people who are able to own electric cycles, which can run on a captive area of 30 kilometers, which cost a fraction of even electric scooters, but yet provide mobility with carriers and very, very amenable to e-commerce, I believe even e-commerce will be going ahead in a big way. We are also working with, we are trying to socialize it amongst the self-help groups because if we are able to create an ecosystem where the self-help groups and various local producers, if they have to be moved in and around a 30 kilometer radius, then electric cycles are very good. And the good part about electric cycles is that you can also pedal them. You can reduce your pedaling effort. And you can use it in a completely throttle without effort mode. So these are something that we're looking at, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I was talking to the president of the Federation of Automobile Dealers of India, and he was telling me just a few days ago that almost half of three-wheelers sold now in India is electric. And that's actually the fastest growing segment amongst all EVs. And I don't know about cycles, but cycle sounds interesting, and I guess uh, one must follow through with that with you. So a couple of last questions, and I'm going to come to your outlook in a bit, but Tell us about your revenue composition today. You said about 2,400 crores. So where does that come from? And how does all of that ensure that you are sustainable independently? When I say independently, that is without any government support and so on. Yeah. So basically, we are built on a completely market business model revenue model. So this 2,400 crores, I think ESL as a holding company has almost around 1,700 crores. And rest of it predominantly comes from our step-down entity in the UK, which we own, which is into the business of tri-generation, and that's doing very well. And now, tri-generation, beyond tri-generation, they have also started diversifying into bad energy storage systems, and they have started developing, deploying such systems in the UK, and uh, we want to use them to bring such systems in India also. So this is basically 1,700 crores, and the rest of it coming from Edina, and then step-down entity, the CESL, the Convergence Electric Energy Services Limited. This is a mobility-dedicated company, and we are doing the electric buses. All the states, we have done 
almost around 12,000 buses so far. And the latest bid under the BME bus seva scheme is also under process right now. It's closed. It's under process for 3,800 buses. We do electric vehicles leasing. We are trying to germinate a market on EV as a service and EVCI as well. So this is what our business is. So as you look ahead, Mr. Kapoor, what are you seeing in the next couple of years or literally a year or two in terms of the strategic direction? I mean, all of what you've done so far in contrast to what maybe might change or not change as you look ahead. As a company which believes more in creating public value, not to mean that we don't want shareholder value as well. We work at the intersection of these two spaces. I think they are a listed company. But we have to strike a balance between shareholder and public value. So to that extent, I think going forward, I think electric buses are going to be very big. Recent announcements by in the media about 8 lakh buses coming out and the government looking at socializing these many electric buses. Uh, this is extremely important. We also feel bored by the very announcements as late as in COP28 and therefore and before that in G20 about doubling the rate of energy efficiency. And that's something which is extremely important that has brought and launched energy efficiency to global center stage that yes, we have to work on energy efficiency in a big way. So I believe energy efficiency will continue getting a huge impetus as we move forward from here. The government is also, every time it's being talked about that, yes, energy efficiency has to usher in. And that's why we are trying to, whatever we have done in, is in the institutional public space. Now we are trying to, to look very closely at the domestic retail segment and also B2B large bulk deals for ushering in energy efficient appliances as well as energy efficient solutions as we go forward. It'll be the time for energy efficiency has come down. Mr. Kapoor, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was The Core Report with me, Govindraj Ethiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at The Core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter for our exclusive stories, one in-depth feature a day on www.thecore.in. Do also track us on LinkedIn, where we usually post synopses or extracts of our top stories and interviews. We would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant, including, of course, India's vibrant manufacturing sector. So write to us at feedback at the core.in. And thank you once again for listening. <laughs>